Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk Podcast. It's the goal of the Res Talk Podcast to communicate some late breaking news and thoughtful insights about the broad array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings. The Res Talk Podcast is one of the ways ResNet is using to communicate, to develop channels of communication with all the stakeholders, raters, builders, realtors, appraisers, even consumers about some of the trends and evolving trends in home and energy ratings. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in HVACR and building performance for almost 30 years and been interfacing with the team at ResNet for nearly the whole time. Structured thinking, systems thinking. Our guest today and his company embody systems thinking at a very high level. Panelization and construction is a very structured, systematic topic. If you're not familiar with panelized construction, you soon will be. And when you dig into it, panelized construction has its roots in the 1950s. In 2014, the top 20 U.S. builders were using panelized construction in roughly 20% of their builds. Yet overall, modular, pre-cut, and panelized construction only amounted to about 3.6% of the entire market in 2016. Anthony Grizzalia. Managing Director of Innovation at Ibicus, joins us today to discuss the history, background, process, and role of the HERS Raider in the world of panelized construction. He shares with us his technical and market understanding of the panelization and relationship to cost, labor, and building information modeling. He also discusses, of course, the implications for HERS Raiders across this, the range of panelization modes with regard to topics like where the inspection process takes place and in terms of whether traditional inspections can be done in the manufacturing plant, also in which inspections can be completed on site. So I want you to listen in today and learn a little bit from Anthony Grizzalia about the topic of panelized construction. Today we're happy to be speaking with Anthony Grizzalia. I hope I pronounced that correct. Is it? That's the Italian version. Okay. The American version is Grizzolia. Grizzolia. Okay. <laughs> but I'm happy you pronounced the Italian version correctly. See, because I'm Italian too. So this is like, it must be something that's sort of in my blood <laughs> to pronounce it that way. And then his company's name is Ibicus. And some of the listeners might be familiar with Ibicus because you've attended and presented. Your company's been involved in the building industry for how long? For 25 years. I think we're probably going on our 26th year next year. But yeah, we've been involved with the building industry since the early 90s. Mm -hmm. Really started off with the Department of Energy Building America program. We helped them initiate that program. We've been involved ever since looking at technologies to reduce energy consumption of homes. Mm -hmm. Obviously, working with large production builders across the country to implement these technologies and research them and validate them and, and really understand what does it mean for the regular home builder today. And you've taken me on a tour through this facility. We're actually recording live face-to-face, which is unusual for this podcast. But we're recording at his uh, facilities in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And you guys have a lab here, pretty sizable lab, where you do building modules and you can actually do those tests. Yeah, we have a facility, probably about 8,000 square foot warehouse, two stories. So in the past, since I've been here, I've been here 19 years, we've built two-story homes in our warehouse where we were mocking full-scale homes to not only understand 
how every component goes together, but you really evaluate systems, claddings, insulation components, how things are put together, really trying to understand constructability de- details. So we've done a lot of that. But we've also today, right in our warehouse, we have a two-story skeleton frame of a townhome actually modeled after Thrive Home Builders out of Denver, okay. where we were using that model to actually install HVAC systems to understand the installation practices and the time and motion of uh, HVAC systems. It really gets into a lot of detail in terms of the economics of building, as well as the sort of the quality of construction. What's your background? So my background, Bill, where, where you is came from? <laughs> from so I'm originally from Canada. Okay, I did my undergraduate in building science at Ryerson University in Toronto, Canada. After that, I did do two years of a master's degree in architecture in actually Buffalo, New York, SUNY Buffalo. And then really right out of school, Ibicus was looking for sort of building science geeks coming out of school, and I was selected to be one of those, and I've been here ever since. Wow. So you're kind of recruited, like you're in the, the <laughs> yeah. formation of the team here. I didn't get a bonus, though. No, you did. No recruitment <laughs> bonus, nothing like that. Uh, Pittsburgh's familiar with those kind of things. So. Yeah. So today we want to talk about panelized construction. And you mentioned the materials of construction, time and motion. First, what's the basic definition of a panelized construction enclosure or building? Well, so panelization, just to give you a little history. Yeah. It started off in the 50s when I was at the Energy Star Partner Meeting. I showed a, actually a two-minute video that you can find on YouTube. National Homes in the 50s was doing basically off-site construction. They were panelized walls. They were actually closed wall systems, hmm. and they were doing trusses, and basically they were delivering all these components to site back in the 50s, and there's video on this. So it's amazing that we're coming almost full circle to where we are today, where this sort of off-site construction trend is happening with a lot of big builders across the country. But really, it's trying to design and think about the components of a home before you get on site. Mm-hmm. Think of how the design works and then build them off-site. So whether it's wall panels or we call them floor cassettes or trusses. Those are components that are part of the panelization strategy that all pre-designed and pre-manufactured and delivered to site. So that's in general what panelization is. And really it helps the value proposition of building a home better and quicker and potentially cheaper. Mm -hmm. And so these panels would be then delivered to the build site to be erected, assembled together, are they like labeled, numbered? Are they pre-fit together or are they just designed so well that they always fit and always work? So, so yeah, the process is almost like the architect draws a drawing for a builder sure. who's got a design. The panelizer, which there's many panelizers across the country, what he'll do is he'll like t- take those architectural drawings and convert them to panel drawings. So, And there's a logic behind how he goes about designing them and how they're coordinated in stacks or bundles. So they're all pre-designed what size of panels. And then those drawings, those panel drawings get sent to the factory, which each station has a screen that has each panel that's coming online. And then they're building those panels as they come up on their screen. And then they get bundled and then they get basically put on a truck and then they get shipped to site. And each bundle is coordinated. So when they pull them off, they actually go in almost like a Lego set. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. This has got to be an interesting, in terms of planning, designing, uh, 3D modeling, is that involved? 
building a system manager or component? BIM. BIM, yeah, yeah. thank you. Well, there's, I think I've been to, I don't know, probably several dozen panelization facilities and companies, and some are more sophisticated than others. If you go think of like Katera, which is a pretty big established company over the last couple of years with a lot of money, they're doing BIM models. So 3D mm. fully integrated models, which is sort of the high-end Cadillac system. But a lot of the regular panelizers, they're just using software like MyTech Sapphire, which is a their two-dimensional sort mm-hmm. of modeling. Or there's other companies that like out. So there's MyTech, which we all know who MyTech is. They make metal components for holdowns, but they also make software for trusses and wall panels. And they also make manufacturing equipment. So all like truss tables and framing tables, they make those components too. So there's other companies, other than my like Alpine, they're a manufacturing of equipment company. Mm-hmm. They also make software. So, but very rudimentary two-dimensional type software. But that's the sophistication. Two-dimensional software to three-dimensional BIM models. Got it. How popular is this concept of panelization? Actually, when you mentioned all the different modules, the wall, the floor cassettes, and the trusses, it seems like you could actually use part panelization when you're building and maybe not a fully panelized structure. Is that true? That's true. Yeah. Conventionally, trusses has been sure. probably the yeah, most popular. Came to mind it's a component. Yeah. 80% of the market today across country uses trusses. Yeah. So that's a component already done. Right. But the next part would be wall panels. So mm-hmm. wall panels is pretty commonly used, especially with large production home builders. So we did an analysis about four years ago. So of the top 20 builders, 40% of their construction actually use wall panels. Wow. But that's the top 20 builders because they have a lot of volume, which makes sense for them to do panels because they have that volume to use those wall panels and make economics make sense for them. But we're starting to see, I would say over the last three years, a lot of the smaller regional builders or mm-hmm. even builders that are building 50 homes a year are looking to doing wall panels. And now these floor cassettes, pre-modularized cassette systems are being adopted in several markets. In order to provide a high quality house, there must be some inspection, some details that are conducted in the factory. And then because they're panels, they got to come together in the field and there's more inspection there. So can you kind of take us through that scenario? Yeah. So I'll give you, so with traditional trusses, because trusses are prefabricated, there's actually an inspection process that happens in the trust plant. Sure. So they hire a third-party inspection company that comes in quarterly to inspect their QC documents and their processes. So there is an inspection process already have been established for 30, 40 years already in the industry. Now, what happens on site is different. So the building official, building inspector on site, he'll do his structural inspection, you know, Bearing points, shear panels, nailing patterns, that still happens with the trusses. And even with wall panels. So wall panels today, the panel plant would put OSB on a skeleton frame and ship it to site because that's a typical wall system. And nailing patterns are important to them to get right in the panel plant. But there's not an inspection process in the panel plant because that can be readily inspected in the field. Yeah. Visual. So wall panels is uh, not a concern to inspect in the factory, unless you're doing something different, which we'll talk about other systems that are out there. And in floor cassettes is the same thing. There's fastening subfloor to trusses, and a lot of the inspections occur on site. So how far towards a completed floor cassette or wall are these? What is sort of take us through the layers of the cake? 
Yeah. So a wall panel, typical wall panel is either two by four or two by six, or could be two by eight, but we rarely right. see that. And typically they're just OSB on mm -hmm. the skin, the outside skin, and they're basically nailed to those studs. And that's basically, we call it a, a typical wall panel that gets stacked and shipped to site. Okay. There are some panelizers that are putting more materials to that mm -hmm. wall panel, like adding house wrap to it and even windows into it and then shipping that to site. We just started seeing some builders are actually have panelization within the organization like Toll Brothers and Ryan Homes that are starting to incorporate these other materials in their typical wall panel. So that's sort of the next level of integration we are seeing. Then there's more further integration when you go into looking at what Benson Wood has sure, done. Yeah. Those are sort of enclosed walls, fully encapsulating, weather-resistant materials, shear materials, framing, insulation, drywall, and electrical and windows all in one. So those are fully closed wall panels. And then there's this middle ground where there's companies like PureWall. So Covestro has a technology called PureWall where they have sort of rethought the whole wall system for the panelization industry. So mm -hmm. what they're doing is basically saying, if we remove the OSB on the wall and put polyiso board insulation, which is, it's a board, but has a strong R value, R6 per inch. And then in the cavities, spray an inch a half of, they call it structural foam. Now we got a wall that's, it's not a fully enclosed wall, but you've added more value to the wall system. Hmm. You've taken away OSB and you added continuous insulation. And basically you added closed cell foam in the cavity as your interior cavity insulation system. And it's a structural wall system. So that we believe we like it it has a lot of value not only for the builder because the builder is now getting a wall system that has more value shipped to site they're lighter than an osb wall sure and thermally they're a great wall system it's continuous insulation with closed cell foam you, you can't beat that no, very uh, no thermal bridging no thermal bridging no. and then the outside facer on the poly board actually has a glass mat facer similar to like glass uh, face gypsum board okay so you don't need house wrap the tapes need to be seen like a, a zip system or okay. a weather logic system. So that's a, it's not a called a fully enclosed wall system, but we call it a semi-enclosed wall because you've inherently brought in more materials into the wall system. That's fascinating. And you guys developed it here. We yeah, helped develop the technology yeah. for Covestro. And, and tested it. And, and yeah, tested it. And yeah. um, just like the first thing that comes to my mind is structural integrity. Does that get tested here? Or do you send samples out? or No. So when we uh, first started that development program, we actually built an uh, E72, ASTM E72 rig in our warehouse where we did all the initial structural testing of these wall panels. And then at some point, we obviously we needed to get code approved. Ibicus is not a, we're not approved by code mm -hmm. for our testing facilities. So that was basically sent out to DRJ Qualtum Engineering out of Wisconsin. So they okay. did all of our code approval reports for Covestro. So bringing this back around to how this would impact like HERS raters, what do they need to be aware of looking for? Will it change sort of the routine of doing a home energy rating? If you see you encounter panelized construction. Yeah. So I think the typical panelized, what we were just talking about, OSB walls right. or floor. I don't think it's a big difference for no, hers. Doesn't sound like I, it. No, I yeah. think that's uh, conventional inspections. Yeah. It's just made somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just made somewhere else. Now, when you start enclosing walls like pure wall right. or 3D modulars, that's different because a lot of the inspections do occur in the factory for insulation or any hold downs or any of that. But 
I truly believe if the trend is going towards more of this offsite construction, if I was a HERS rater, I would really think about maybe getting myself approved to be one of those inspectors to go into those plants and say, hey, I'm a certified can't remember what the it's an ISO something right. approval. And now you as a herdsray, you have the ability to do those inspections if your market is growing in the offsite world. So that would be an opportunity for a herds raider. Are there any regions of the country where this is more prevalent, the use of panelized construction? Well, if you typically actually the mid-Atlantic area hmm, has been very hot for wall panels because there's just a lot of panelization factories in okay. that market. Proximity to the factory makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. makes a difference. And, there, and volume of production of homes, right? It's a big market. The Phoenix, Vegas market is another hot market. And then we're starting to see Florida growing also. There's companies like, you probably heard of Buddy Rainey out there, what she's doing, pretty much everything, concrete, wall panels, trusses, floor cassettes. And then you got companies like Integra out in Sacramento, which they have now an established foothold in that Sacramento mm -hmm. market where they're doing these totally complete systems where they're tipping up homes within a day. So pretty aggressive <laughs> timelines here we're talking. Now, you just mentioned three regions that have very different climates. Very different climates. So are there anything done different in panelization when it's being purpose-built for a climate to be installed in a certain climate? That is a very good question. We have not seen that yet. Yeah. So typically, a OSB wall, that yeah. same construction is done everywhere. Sure. Now, is that the best for each climate? Depends, right? I think it all depends on what house wrap you're using over top of an OSB wall in a certain climate versus another or what insulation you're using. So it really comes down to the builder. Does he understand the climate differences? Yeah. And if he's doing a wall panel in the mid-Atlantic, but he's also building in Houston, mm -hmm. does that same wall make sense for that climate? Absolutely. So, yeah, that doesn't change that aspect of it. Yeah. Very true. So. Going back to the, the initial thing you talked about, the national homes doing it in the 50s, what did they look like? I mean, do you have references for that? Or Yeah, there's video of it. Yeah. So, And what they did was they used union workers, okay. um, which is different than today. Today is basically labor that's pretty prevalent that right. you can get to work in a factory. They're not union workers today, and they were union workers. And that was the business model for that builder. They want to build quality, mm -hmm. right? And do it in a manufacturing setting, just like automotive was. Yeah. So that was their mindset. They want to rethink how to manufacture a home and they were trying to do their best. But I think just like the struggles we've had probably 10, 15 years ago with offsite, they had that in the 50s where sure. labor in the field overcame <laughs> the, the offsite manufacturing. So it's a kind word. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I know when uh, panelization just before the downturn was pretty hot with for home builders like Pulte Homes. Yeah. And then the downturn occurred and a lot of those divisions went from panels to stick frame on site because labor forced them to. Yeah. Because they said, well, I can do it cheaper for you. Sure. So that's how everything's moved. So in my mind, if you bring more value to a wall panel, right? Let's say you integrate more to the wall panel. It gives that panelizer more sustainability from a business. Because mm -hmm. the framer can't do that as a stick framer. He can't integrate all those other materials no. when he's stick framing. So that has to be the difference moving forward. That's got to be the trend. And I see that happening. So any of these homes from the 50s, panelized homes, have you done any examination of how the durability, how those things? We have not. No? I'd okay. love to find to those To find homes. them. Like how yeah. would you find them? You probably yeah. can't tell now. So they're in Detroit. 
Okay. So the facility was outside of Detroit area, National Homes. But I'd love to go out and take a look if there's, I'm so, sure there's homes still existing. So any listeners <laughs> who have that information, how could they contact you? And in general, just how could they contact you and reach you if they wanted to? Sure. Um, you can contact me via the Ibicus website, okay. info at ibicus.com. You can reach me on LinkedIn, send me a message, Anthony Grizzolia, Ibicus. Or I can give you my contact information. We can post sure. it. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. So it's G-R-I-S-O-L-I-A. Correct. Is the way you spell your last name. Okay, cool. So this sounds like this is evolving. The whole subject of panelization is evolving. The role for the energy raters evolving in your mind. Do you have a look forward into the future? Like what else could be going on in terms of panelization, maybe even expanding it into other systems in the home? I think there will be a trend. Obviously, the last several years, this offsite's been mainly focused on the shell of the home, mm-hmm. the structure, the sort of the lumber side of things. I think we're going to start to see more related to the mechanicals. So HVAC system, how duct systems are being routed or designed and potentially manufactured. I think we're going to see also a shift into electrical, looking at structured wiring, maybe actually using less wiring would be a, an opportunity and also the plumbing system we're starting to see shark bite has come into town probably four or five years ago on the on the replacement side but i think they're going to make some headways in new construction new construction so there's an ample opportunity so at ibicus we talk about systems thinking we've been doing this for 25 years yeah. and there's a lot of systems in a home and really the struggle with builders they can't do the systems thinking very well because it's a big change to think like that. And what I mean by systems thinking is please yeah. each system has an effect on another system in a home. So a wall system has the effect on the HVAC system mm-hmm. or the windows or the environment home. Then builders have to think like that. Every decision they make relates to probably 10 other things within the home. And typically over the last 20 years that I've been here, a lot of builders have blinders. They'll change a spec on a product without thinking what the consequences are down the field, five years down the road. So I think we have to have a change in this and have to system synthesize the whole house. Mm -hmm. And really we have to systematically design differently and systematically do manufacturing the home. Execute. And execute. So I see that trend happening. Do you see the trend accelerating? I think there is an accelerator because of what we've been seeing about the labor shortage. Okay. All the builders that we've been talking to are thinking, how can we do this better and quicker? So a lot of builders are looking at similar models to like what NVR Ryan Homes have been doing. You know, they've been manufacturing a lot of their components offsite for the last 30 years, and they've done very well as a building business. So a lot of builders are thinking like that. I don't know how fast it's going to accelerate, but we're seeing tricklings of it. I think you should get a little bit into the mechanical systems because you guys are working on some things here. Can you talk about that? I can talk high level. Okay, please. (laughs) We were working with the Department of Energy, so we did a lot of work in HVAC systems for the last probably 15 years, valued many different HVAC air distribution systems. And that's just a challenge in the industry. I'm sure every HERS rater out there knows the inspecting duct systems, inspecting air leakage and the problems with air leakage. and Ventilation too. Ventilation. So we have rethought the air distribution side of conventional HVAC systems, really trying to simplify the duct system componentize the duct system. So instead of having hundreds of SKUs for an HVAC air distribution system, we brought it down to about 16 SKUs. Wow. So 
we're thinking it different. I can't go into the details, but no. think of it as a shark bite for air ducts. Okay. Some people shiver when they hear shark bite. But I think with air, it's okay. Hey, with air, it's okay. It's a little bit better. If water leaks, it's problematic. Yes. If right. air leaks, it is problematic. It is. But it's not as problematic. Yeah, it's not going to be damaging. Yeah. Do you have a timeline on this where you'd be talking about it a little bit more in detail? Yeah, I think right now it's an entity that's spun off of Ibicus. Okay. But I would say March or April of 2020, I think you're going to start to see these systems be installed in large production home builder homes. Wow. So we talked about this panelization. This came up because you presented on the topic at a recent conference. What are the other conferences you attend just to kind of give people perspective and maybe some ideas and where they could learn more information about these topics and others? eBuzz is one of them. ResNet is another. IBS, we're always at IBS. That's where all the big builders show mm -hmm. up. So that's pretty much, that's our customers right now. So, and the big manufacturers. We tend, not all the time, ASHRAE is mm -hmm. another one. And Department of Energy holds their quarterly or yearly meetings. And they are public. They just have to find out when they are. But those are the uh, seminars or events we attend. Pennsylvania Housing Research Center, we also attend there. I think we are presenting something this year, I think in February there. So those are the predominant ones that we attend. Got it. It was a very interesting discussion, sort of hits home with me because I'm in the midst of building a modular home that's been built off-site in, in a factory and all the things, shell, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, all had to come together. So I'm maybe at the bleeding edge of this perhaps, or maybe not. Uh, we'll find out. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about it more, right. I'm sure, because of my, my role as a host here of the podcast. Any closing thoughts you'd like to give the listeners? I would say we love the HERS rating industry yeah. as Ibicus. You know, at one point we were thinking, should we be a HERS rater provider? We have actually one of the first flow meters. Oh, wow. But Gary, we worked with Gary Nelson on Sure. Uh, it was, it's actually labeled 001. <laughs> so wow. it's, a, it's, it's it amazing. Is it the uh, powered flow hood? No, it's the- uh, Oh, the true flow. The true flow. Yeah, because of the DOE. Yeah. Yeah, the research. So this is in the cool. late 90s, I believe. Yeah. So we were heavily involved with testing in the 90s, working with the herds rating industry. But it's an industry that is has grown dramatically since yeah. I've started here. And I would just say to the herds industry, I think you guys are doing a great job. I think a lot of builders appreciate what you do. And I would say that they look for your guidance. Mm -hmm. Ibicus can't be everywhere in the country as building experts, but they depend on the HERS rating industry to make those decisions on specifications of homes, to meet codes, but also to ensure that the durability of the homes are done correctly. So the so, local experts, really. The local yeah, experts, Yeah, to deliver yeah. This, can, this kind of knowledge and collect the knowledge from your training, yeah. the conferences you attend, and conversations yeah. like this. Yeah, and, and you guys are boots on the ground in every market. Fantastic. We can't do that. Right, right. Well, this has been great. Thank you for uh, doing this live interview, and we had a lot of fun in this discussion. Maybe we'll get you back to talk about some of these other systems and designs Anytime. in the next next year or so. Uh, we'll talk about that. So I want to thank everyone for listening to the ResTalk podcast, and thank you, Anthony, for being here today with me. Thank you, Bill. I want to thank you for listening to this episode today. If you like what you've heard and you've not yet subscribed to the podcast, please consider doing so by typing ResTalk into the search bar of your typical podcast app, or even into a regular browser. That way you get all the episodes as soon as they launch. You can also listen in your browser by following links at resnet.us professional. If you want to learn more about the benefits of a home energy rating as a consumer, cruise on over to resnet.us and look for the consumer page to learn more. Here's a quote or thought for today. When you have a system, you kind of get in a routine of what's important. 
then you spend a lot more time on thinking of things that would make it better. The quote is by Nick Saban, who's a coach. So Coach Grizzlia today gave us some things to think about in terms of building a system, understanding a system, and really getting into embracing the world of panelized construction, understanding more about that. If you're interested in feeding back to Reson on what you heard here today, or you'd like to hear a new topic covered, or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. And thanks again for listening to the Res Talk podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by Brian Orr, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.